Welcome back to another episode of Bopcast, where I interview outliers who are breaking the mold regardless of the status quo and pursuing their dreams in one way or another. My name is Ryan Sullivan, also known as Sully Bop. I've been running this podcast for about four years now in Hunterdon County, New Jersey. We interview mostly uh, folks from the tri-state area, but we've also interviewed people like Rob Deerdeck, Travis Chapel, entrepreneurs, iTunes top 50 artists as well. So we like having a wide range of guests. And today we have my friend James Calcagni. James's background is extremely interesting and simultaneously impressive. He has overcame Lyme's disease with an ancient fifth generation Chinese healing practice. So we get into that a lot today. It's a big focus of the interview and honestly, one of the craziest stories that has ever been told on here. And I don't say that for everybody. On top of that, he also has a company called Liquid Limbs, creating waterproof limbs for people who have lost their legs. So almost completely separate things that we go into here, but it all formulates as one podcast interview. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please, the only thing I ask is if you could please share this with somebody who might find it valuable. James's story is so powerful, so please do share it. And please enjoy this episode of Bobcast with my friend. James Calcagney. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bobcast. Today on the show, I got my man, James Calcagney. How we doing today, brother? How we doing, Ryan? I'm so excited for this. Dude, I'm excited to have you here. So it's interesting how we ended up here. Um, it has to do with the power of social media, LinkedIn specifically, and the way that you found me, which you might be able to add more context to, was from one of my Gary V comments. You commented, I don't even remember the comment itself, but you commented something kind of like sarcastically on a on a Gary V post. Um and and it it was like you you disagreed with him, but it was really well thought out. And I agreed with your opinion. Like I, I was like, Yeah, he's right. Like I and I usually love Gary V's posts, but I um I just wanted to reach out about like Honestly, just because of the way you commented it, I, I thought it was smart the way you were you were commenting like that. I think especially with him, the re, the way that how he helped me in the beginning is not how he's helping people now. Mm. How he helped me in the beginning was not telling you like things in that you should be happy in a LinkedIn post. Right. It was like daily V where it was like real business shit. It right. wasn't all this like content and like all this shit. Yeah. So yeah, fundamentally, or like say on a post like that, which I believe this is the con or like, this is one of the variations of the comment that I may have left, which is, he says these things, but they're not practical. So it's like, right. you should pursue this, but I'm like, what are the fives? Like, how do you actually do it? Right. So that's what my pushback may be. And uh, just to, like, shed a little light on this, yeah, I comment on f many people's posts on LinkedIn strategically. So mm. that comment you saw is yeah. just uh, a version of the, the similar comment I've left before. And then I have all of those in my notes. So if he posts something about motivation, I go to my notes, look at my motivation that comments. That's super and throw smart. It down. That's super smart because, like, I think a lot of people on LinkedIn – um don't like know how to use LinkedIn super well <laughs> no, but like I didn't either um but like I think the comments is actually a place you can really show your your insights and your your thoughts on things um 100%. and I've I've commented on some posts before and just given my opinion because I've connected with a lot of people 
in my field, which is prosthetics. And I'm sure we'll get into that. We will. Um, but, but I, I've noticed that like, like me, even I can give my opinion, even if I'm not, um, able to shed light on things in a certain way that they are. Um, but I can still give my insights and, and share and, and show myself as a credible individual on LinkedIn. I think it's really powerful how you can kind of present yourself on these social media sites and, and LinkedIn is especially different. It's diff- very different than Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, which are kind of all following into the same kind of content type. But yep. LinkedIn, I feel like that has its own special place in the future going forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And I think they haven't adopted the vertical video on purpose because I don't think they want the LinkedIn to they be They don't. That. And I've tried posting some and that it doesn't do as well. I've had some do as well, mm-hmm. but it, they have to be super specific. Like there has to be a really good video and they don't even support vertical anyway. Right. But written content and like the thing about LinkedIn is it's like a job networking type thing too. So I, I feel like by growing my LinkedIn, even though right now I am not looking for a job, like mm-hmm. I, I think just like by having that, it does set you up for the marketplace kind of if, oh, you, dude. if you need that i mean yeah. i have everybody like from right. now the podcast does its own networking has its own networking effect mm-hmm. but on linkedin i have access to what do you need it's like i got every industry i got every job title right you know so if i'm looking into something i can just go message that connection i got seven thousand connections well like i found it to be super powerful i mean i did post a video it was about me and and the product that that we've created and and um just like as the ceo of the company i posted a video and it got a ton of reach and and exposure and from that video post i actually um the co-founder of our biggest competitor they've been in the industry for 20 years now they reached out to me because I posted that and and actually we we started a conversation and I was able to learn a lot about their process and how they started their company 20 years ago mm-hmm. in the same space that I am. Um, and and that was through LinkedIn, like that connection wouldn't have happened if I hadn't posted that video on LinkedIn. So I just see like that connection is worth a million, you know, anything, anything. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't put a price on Prices. that. So um I, I think it's worth it to at least invest some time into into doing that. I, I I'm not like the social media guy, but I I see the value in it, so I make sure I put myself on there. Yeah, man. There's a more than a, a few different ways that we could go. Um, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I know 100%. we have a lot. I I'm, this is my first podcast, which I think is another outlet, right? And and I think what I'm all about is is um expressing myself, telling my story, and 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 I want to share how that connects and more importantly, share the message that I'm um, trying to get across now and through my actions. So yeah. um, I, I'm really grateful for you bringing me on the show and, and uh, lo- love to get into some of these topics we can shed light on yeah. and raise awareness for people um, with limb loss, with different disabilities that, that um, there's so many things that from my experience, I know I can shed light on. So dude, I'm, um, I'm excited to dive in here. Um, I'd love, if you don't mind, maybe give a little bit of context as to what you're doing right now. And then, we can go from there and probably go backwards in time and start with the the, the beginning yeah. of your story. But. Yeah, you're right. Let me say, so right now I'm gearing up because we're doing a Kickstarter campaign on November 22nd. I'm so excited for this Kickstarter campaign um, um, just to see see the kind of reach we get because we've had a lot of great feedback on this product. This product is designed to help people with lower limb amputations to stand in the shower. It's something that is um, standing in the shower is very difficult for a lot of people with lower limb amputations because it's soapy, it's wet, it's slippery. 
and you only have one leg to stand on, it's just a naturally dangerous situation. And so there's not really good situation, um, not really good solutions out there. So I've actually, um, with Liquid Limbs, uh, we've created a product to to solve this problem for people with below knee amputations. And it's called the Navigator, and it helps you navigate the bathroom, navigate the shower situation, um, provide mobility and and assistance in this critical time that everyone needs to take a shower. It's so important. Um, it's a necessity. So I um, will love to get into the story of how we created yeah. that, but um, I'm sure you'll have to stick through it and get. Let's get into some of the yeah. We'll go, um, go through the how answer. this came about because because it's it's a whole whole process and. Um, we have a, a lot to talk about, so but that but that's what I'm doing right now. November 22nd, um, you can support it on Kickstarter. Um, last plug, I promise. No, <laughs> you got it, and, and and we'll plug everything at the end too. And and everything is uh, going to be in the description or show notes, whether you're watching or listening. And that's really why, uh, you know, that's why I had you on, man, because there's not a lot of people who are, you know, I've had people on who have exhaust companies, like in college, uh, you know, a friend mm-hmm. of mine who I found on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, Austin Huffman, he designed in college a, a car exhaust that, and this has kind of been built, had been built before, but never production level, yeah. like mass production, where you click a button, and it changes the exhaust note of your car. Wow! And so he has now a massive, you know, exhaust company, right. and he just developed this idea in college, and then it just it right. Took and I off. could like so super nerd out about that. Like I'm yeah, a mechanical yeah. engineer, and I think that stuff is so cool. Um, but I just have decided. Like what I want to do is as a mechanical engineer, um, having this engineering mindset, I just want to apply that to help people with disabilities. Um, because of my story, because of my background, I feel really passionate about this. I feel I am uniquely situated to empathize with those individuals and I'm able to um, connect with them and create real solutions that can help solve their problems. And mm-hmm. so um, that's kind of why I'm doing that as an engineer. But I, I, um, think cars are cool too, and yeah. and I have a I have a friend. She's working like with Tesla and doing car stuff, but um, that's just not where I want to focus my energy. What What um, did you then think that you were going to do? Like, did you think you were going to go into mechanical engineering? And then, if so, what did you think you were going to do with that? Yeah, why don't we go back to the beginning so do so it. we can un- explain this, go and I'll, I'll get right into that answer because yeah, I wasn't originally up. mechanical engineering at all. I actually had to change my major. Um, but, but yeah, if you but want going back, go all the way back for us, I'll go all the way back. So when I was eight years old, I was actually diagnosed with Lyme disease. And for me, this presented as a chronic condition. It was um, something that that I didn't um, the doctors didn't really know how to handle. And my parents didn't know what to do. Um, this I was eight years old and having really serious symptoms, like really bad allergies really bad pain and fatigue and problems that I hadn't been having previously. And it took them a while to diagnose it. So that was part of the problem. Um, but when they finally diagnosed it, it turned out it was Lyme disease. And they put me on a regimen of amp- antibiotics, um, which didn't work. So after about nine months of antibiotics, I was still in having the same condition. And so they put me on another regimen of antibiotics. And this continued all the way through school, I had a lot of different symptoms. I actually, um, one of them was my jaw didn't develop properly. And so, um, and they could trace it back from the time I was eight years old. I actually had to have surgery later on to fix my jaw um, because my condyles never developed because Lyme likes to hide in like warm areas of the body. 
And so um, they kind of tried to attack it with antibiotics and it just wasn't working for me. Um, and so a lot, I went to a lot of different doctors. I went to Ayurvedic practitioners. I went to thyroid doctors. I went to like every doctor on the East Coast that knows anything about Lyme disease, like all these experts at Penn Medicine and the Scarabedian Clinic and all these places. They tried all these different therapies for me. And it just, it didn't work. Like I was in pain. I was in fatigue. I was like a smart kid, but I spent more days in school, um, more days in doctor's offices than I did in school. Like literally in, in second or third grade, I missed school more days because I was in doctor's offices than actually going to school. Um, and I was like, um, just that was my experience. I'm really grateful to have my my mom like would just take me to all these doctor's offices. She didn't work. She just drove me around to doctor's offices um, and like basically took care of me because I was super sick and, and they didn't know how to how to treat this. So um like fast forward a little bit. Um, I like kind of got through it. I learned to deal with the pain. Like, like if you saw me and, and you didn't know me, you wouldn't know I had Lyme disease. Cause it's not something that physically shows on your body. Um, what age was that then now that you're working through it and dealing with it? Yeah. Like high school. Like, okay. So like, it was, um, you're talking eight years old to now you're 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like all these problems, like always in doctor's offices still, like this is when the jaw thing was getting pretty bad. I finally, after like, I went to all these orthodontists, we went to chop, um, children's hospital, of Philadelphia, like all of these supposed to be expert doctors for my jaw. Like this was not even with the Lyme. Like we were going to other doctors for the Lyme disease. I'd always have like five or six doctors like at a time that were supposed to be helping me and no orthodontist would try to like treat this problem. I, and they finally, I found this guy, Dr. Smith, thank God for him. He used this like ALF braces, like ultra light wire braces were able to like fix my teeth somewhat. So I, cause my teeth wouldn't even touch. I only had two teeth in the back of my mouth that would touch like, and that's just like one problem from the Lyme that's like more physical um, that I can explain, like all the mental and the like the pain. I had like serious back pain as like a teenager, you know, like in high school and like my joints always hurt. Like I would always say my whole body hurts. Like doctors would ask me like what hurts like on a scale from one to ten. It's like, yeah, it's like a nine or ten. And like my whole body hurts. Like there's no part of my body that doesn't hurt. And there was definitely times like um, there's this thing that happens with Lyme disease when they have a mass die off. Um, so I'd try all these therapies and like, sometimes I'd have this thing called a Herxheimer reaction, which is where all of the Lyme like dies in your body. And it's the worst pain in the world. Like you won't convince me there's anything worse than this. It is terrible. Like you all, of, cause there's all these dead toxins just like in your system and you can't do anything about it. Um, I remember like telling my dad, like, if this is like what's going to happen, like I don't, I want to live anymore. Like that was how bad it was. Um, but you know, I, um, eventually like cleared through that. And, 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 uh, so it came time I was going to go to college, right? Like, and a, you're still dealing with this. Yeah. Still dealing with this. And Nothing like, has changed really. Like, like the thing with Lyme is it like goes up and down. So like you're, there were moments that like I was like, I always had the pain and I always had the like, General there was fatigue, a baseline level, but there pain, was a yeah. baseline level that like, it wasn't always like, I want to kill myself. Yeah, so, yeah. um, um, but like, so there, some months would be worse than others or weeks would be worse yeah, than like others. Or... Seasonal. So I noticed like it. in the fall and the spring, it would get really bad. Um, and then like in the summertime, that wasn't so bad. This may be a stupid question, but just yeah. from one tick. 
Yeah, so that's like uh, assume that's assume. what we presume because yes, we never yes. saw the tick bite. Like my arm, actually, this was they thought I broke my arm. They misdiagnosed me because I had a big swollen arm. I was at Boy Scout camp. Actually, was what happened. I was eight years old. I was at Boy Scout camp. I get this big swollen arm, um, and so like only like fifteen percent of people get this bullseye tick, um, and I wasn't one of those people. And then only like. So like 90% of people with Lyme disease, they can treat them right away with antibiotics. Um, some combination of for they didn't treat it fast enough because they didn't diagnose it properly. And um, it took them like like the antibiotics for whatever reason for me. I was part of that like 10% of people that don't react. So you got properly. double unlucky essentially. Well, like I got unlucky. Yeah, yeah overall. Like, like it was just bad luck and bad situation and my body type um reacted in a certain way and so like certain people have this symptoms and and still have these like this is like a continuous yeah. thing people have really bad lyme symptoms um but anyway you're at now you're at 18 yeah, 17, yeah let's go 18. through so i went through high school like this and like i've did eventually like tell more people like I, like because like i wouldn't just go and volunteer so do you like, have, i'm in pain you know like yeah, tell you, everybody like want them to feel bad for me yeah. i was pretty like like kept like try to be optimistic but about you have things, like a group but, of friends and stuff that you yeah, hang out with and I, things like that. i mean i was always like kind of a social butterfly talk to everybody yeah. like nice with everybody and then like i did have some like groups of friends that like i really was friends with but honestly i would always be like in the lacrosse group and in the swimming group and in the yeah. like math group with the nerdy kids and like like i was kind of like play the field <laughs> like be friends with everybody and i'm with you there um honestly in high school i was I went to an all guys high school. Oh, um, what? Yeah, yeah. Holy Ghost, which I loved. Holy Ghost. All right, we're gonna take a detour um, and just go on that. For okay, because we're still in high school. No worries. But anyway, you could catch us up to what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll I'll get into that. But like, I, so like at this time, like I loved um, always um, girls. Like I was the girl. Like I like find the girls at the all girls schools and everything, and like kind of connect. You, you people. were the guy. You were the guy. I who, was the plug. No way, <laughs> yeah. dude. You were the that plug. That was like me. I was always loved to connect other people like mm. so many relationships got set up because of me like people dated for years because of me like because i set them up damn you're um, the connector brother yeah and like or like school dances like because we'd have like um like formals and stuff um and and like i would like if you didn't have a date you'd kind of come to me and like i'd get you girl or get you a guy no like, shit. you dance. just had the ends yeah that was like me in high school um i, I like to have those friends i think especially because during middle school and elementary school I had missed out on a lot of those connections because, like, I was not in school. So, like, I was always, like, reading books and stuff. So, like, I maybe tried to catch up on that in high school. I didn't go to the doctors as much because, like, I kind of just was, like, over it. And I was, like, I'm yeah. dealing with this. I mean, like, learn to deal with it on my own. Sometimes I did have to go to doctors more. But um, more or less, like, I, I kind of just dealt with pain. And, like, it got, like, maybe, like, gradually worse, like, the joint pain and stuff. But I just continued dealing with it. Um, was there any were you doing any of research yourself about what was going on or i was like i was because i had tried everything that was out there and so I, I at a certain point so i'll go into this now um like when i was coming time to like look at colleges i decided i'm going for biomedical engineering and and um my decision was i was going to engineer the cure for lyme disease like um, maybe it sounds kind of crazy, but like cure cancer, right? But like, yeah, um, but like, I was like, I got to solve this. Like, 
like for my life because I had so many things I wanted to do. You know, I was like an optimist I was still a kid. Like yeah. um, I wanted to do so many things, but I was like, this is holding me back. Um, so I was like, let's fix this problem. Um, honestly, like selfishly for myself. So all my essays for colleges, I wrote like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to solve Lyme disease. Um, Good college essay. Yeah, solid. Didn't get me into Johns Hopkins, which was my my dream school, but I got into a lot of colleges. I had a lot of options. Um, I really wanted to go to the University of Miami. I had a really good offer there, um, but it was too far. I felt like I kind of wanted to stay closer to home just because of the Lyme and everything, like wanted to be closer to my parents. I had a full ride to University of Alabama for mechanical engineering, and it would have been free, like totally wow. free because of my like ACT score. Um, they, they had like a deal, like if you got a certain score in the ACT, it was a, and they gave me a full ride. Um, but, I, and I, it was mechanical. And I said, the the reason I turned that down was just because they didn't have a biomedical engineering program. And I was like, Nope, I want to go for biomedical engineering. You're set on this um, curing. The- yeah. I was like, I was like, look, I really love the school and the energy there. And like the fact that the tuition is zero, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. um, but you know what? Like, I want to do a certain thing. And so I did have a scholarship to Penn state university, um, like main campus. And I went there and, um, um, I just chose that because it was, I had a couple friends going there. Like my best friend from high school was going there. Um, we were like, all right, we'll be roommates and, and like do Penn state. Um, so I went there for biomedical engineering and, uh, that was good. You know, I did my first year of school. Like I had kept good grades in my engineering classes, you know, made friends. I, joined uh, the water polo team i'd done um swimming in high school and lacrosse actually um you, how big was your high school then the all guys uh, high school how yeah many guys were there? there was 100 kids in my class so not, oh, so not was, too big yeah so not too um, many dudes no not too many not too many bros <laughs> no it's a small school and and like it's a preparatory school so they really prepare you for college like when i went to penn state honestly my class is like i felt really on top of things does that um, work yeah does that actually like a is a prep school really a prep school because you know how they just say that but like did it really yeah, was I it mean, really well if I you mean, never went to a public regular high school you probably right. know like i went to but... public middle school um and so, like, uh, you got all my friends yeah, yeah. went to public high school high, like, the high school version really isn't different so. yeah 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 i could kind of tell and like i was friends with them still like i was still friends with the kids from all different so schools you're the only one yeah. though that like, did any of your friends that you knew before go to this high school as well? Not really. Your parents made this decision? Not really. Um, or like, no, they- it was like my decision um, for high school. But like, I, um, I think because like they probably did want to push it a little bit because in middle school I was always talking to girls. Like this was always my thing. Like I would just love to talk to the girls during class. Like I'd get in trouble just because I was like always talking yeah, to the girls. Yeah. <laughs> so I think when the high school time came, they were like maybe pushing it a little bit. They definitely knew I'd get a better edu- education at ghost than, than Pensbury. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that was the case. Um, and, and it was like, I was like, remember there was this Pensbury had a, like a much bigger school. It was like 4,000 kids or something. So, um, but you still lived at home. It wasn't like a boarding. No, no, no. Yeah, I lived I at go. home. I took the bus, you know? Um, and, and uh, Pensbury, like, I remember they had this class, like this computer science class. I was like, oh, what if I go there? I can take this class. And my parents were like, look, like, if the, if your question is, like, if you can take this one class, like, I guarantee you'll get a better education at Holy Ghost. Like, yeah. Um, and, well, I, and I got a scholarship there, too. So oh, so that's a Christian high school as well? It's or? Um, Spiritan. It, it's, um, yeah, it's 
Christian, but it's not like super strict. Like there was a Jewish kid in my class and stuff. And, oh, okay, cool, cool. Uh, it's not like they're accepting of the, the others. Yeah, yeah. They don't shun you. No, no, no. It's very um, open and um, really good, like brotherly community. Seems it. Um, yeah, it was really. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and getting yeah. that because you do. I don't want to say. Well, yeah. Even at, at that age, um, it's very easy to feel lost. So yeah. to have the no, brotherhood, there's definitely a good brotherhood. And like, I remember our senior retreat was like really powerful. Um, like, like after the four years of whatever, like we had this retreat after and you, you did feel like a really strong connection. Um, and I, I loved ghost. Um, they actually recently shared an article about me um, oh, no to, cause it was like in the news. Um, so that's good. Gets them it, a little clout, you know? Yeah. Good for them. Good for me. Win, win, yeah, win. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, if we, um, you know, yeah. uh, come back up to speed here, was there anything yeah. that there must've been a transition then in college of, Okay, I'm not going to do this Lyme disease thing. Now I'm going to go to. Well, okay, so let's go that? back. To, so work? I'm at Penn State, right? Yeah, yeah. Let, let's get into Penn State a little bit. Um, break that down because um, that's interesting. Um, I and I joined a fraternity uh, at Penn State too because that's what like everybody did my yeah. second semester. Okay. So I joined a fraternity. I was actually doing fine. Like I had pain still. Like I'd, I actually was going to doctors sometimes. Like I'd go and go to a doctor's office. Like I was having definitely pain. And then that summer I got another tick bite. Whoa. That completely crashed my system. I, um, it like really wrecked me. Like I wasn't able to go back to school. Um, I spent two weeks in the hospital and, and I spent like months in bed, depressed, really, really terrible time. And, and, uh, just, I actually had to drop out of Penn State. I was so sick. I couldn't do anything. I was like literally in so much pain in bed all day, um, couldn't function. So I, it wasn't like I was able to do school. It was like the worst I'd been um, in my whole life, like leading up to that. Like I'd kind of like found a baseline and then this just like just erased any sense of like baseline that I had. Um, and And so what happened though, I'm actually really grateful that this happened just because like it brought me like forced me to leave Penn state. Um, and so like biomedical engineering was out of the question. Like I was like, literally couldn't even think straight. I was doing all the, like, so I'm not exaggerating 40 pills every single day, 40 pills. Like I had a list I had to take like constantly seven different antibiotics. Um, I was taking lithium Seroquel, I was taking like medical marijuana at some parts, like, like doctors were prescribing me drugs. Cause I was literally, and I was nauseous all the time. That's what they gave me the marijuana for. Like I was in like pain. I was having like psychotic type bipolar episodes, like really crazy mental situations. So they like, they thought I, that it might've crossed my like blood brain barrier, the Lyme disease, which can happen. Um, and they did like, uh, I would stay in the hospital that during that time period. Um, like I was like literally like unable to talk and like have a conversation with someone. Um, they, they did a spinal tap on my back and actually like the, the first time I didn't know what was happening and like, cause like they couldn't explain it to me and they didn't like sedate me. And I was like freaking out. They could have paralyzed me. Like I almost died, you know, like I, I literally could have died or been paralyzed like during this time in the hospital. And, um, then, then they like 
sedated me properly and then they did it again because like um because i literally felt like i was getting stabbed in the back like i had no idea what the hell was going on you know so like it was really dangerous and like i could have hurt someone and i could have been hurt um like really crazy stuff you know like like and this was just and then i was still in pain still like tired they didn't what was that what is a spinal tap what is spinal tap they like they like it's like basically like drawing blood, but like in your spinal fluid. Mm. So they like poke a needle into your spine. And that was, they, uh, they it was supposed to release supposed, some kind no, of tension. No, this or was, this was supposed to die diagnose if, if the Lyme had crossed my blood brain barrier, because if it had, then it would have been like a really serious problem. Um, I don't know what oh, they would have I done, see. but so those related to the, blood yeah, but they were, they barrier. wanted to do so many different things. Like some of the doctors wanted to give me chemotherapy, like some of the doctors, they wanted me to put this thing inside my arm that would release antibiotics into my system on like a regular cycle, like inside of me, like, like bionic stuff. Yes. And like, I was like, like, this was like crazy. And like, and at the same time, I'm just in pain. I'm in fatigue, um, like leaving the hospital. I literally threw up all over the ground in the hospital um, in St. Mary's, like just disgusting. And I was like, no. and they were like, do you want to go back? I was like, no, get me out of here. Like it had been two weeks in the hospital. Like, um, and like, I just remember going home, like that time period was just horrible. Like most people don't have that like life experience. So, um, that's why I just wanted to share it. Cause like, I, I think like, um, you, you kind of learn from that, like how to, how to see things, but um, but uh, finally, because th- this is why I said I was thankful for it, because like finally, I found this guy. His name's Master Fa Xiang Ho. He's a fifth generation energy healer from China, and his treatment is the only thing that ever helped me. It worked. Like just after a couple weeks, I started to feel better. Um, he does like a like a hands on, hands off energy treatment. Um, he's like five generations. So his father's 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 father in China, like passed this down to him. He's the real deal. He's treated like really, um, his treat, he has had a lot of success and, um, his treatment just worked for me after a few months. I actually like had no more pain in my body anymore. I was able to get off all of my medications, like no more antibiotics for the first time and, um, just changed my life. Like, um, finding Master Ho. So that that was like the big break for me is I found this guy Master Ho. Can you go into that a little bit? What what are you what is he doing? Yeah, so so like um starting out, I didn't really know like I was actually just looking for something to help with my energy. That's why I was like sought him out because like I I um just had such low energy, like I couldn't get out of bed most of the days. Like even just getting to his office, like my mom drove me. I couldn't like drive myself. There was no way I was gonna drive a car. But like she would drive me to his office and 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 um, that was a lot for me just to get out of the house for the like treatment, um, just to go to his house and um, and like get the get the physical treatment. And uh, but he would give um, just like a hands on treatment on a massage table. Um, and it's kind of like acupuncture, okay. um, like system, same points, but no needles, just his hands. And he manipulates the energy on your body. And so. Um, the first couple of treatments, I didn't really know, like, it didn't, wasn't like, it was like magic. It like, didn't fix me right away. What does he tell you you're supposed to do? Nothing. Like be he, calm. First time, honestly, his Chinese, I didn't like his, his Chinese English kind of, um, he, yeah, he yeah. moved here in 1992, um, from China when he was 30 years old. Yeah. And I had like, a professor. It was the same. And like, deal. honestly, I didn't know what he was saying the first yeah. couple of times. <laughs> um, but like, 
Um, but so basically I just lied on the table and he would like use his hands on your body. You're on your stomach and your back. Um, first, first stomach. Um, he does like an opening sequence, then flip you on the is back. There music? Is there no sounds? Music, is there no music? Um, just incense. All, no, 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 no. So this that. is not. It's like a spiritual vibe. No, 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 no. So Master Ho's form is not spiritual. It's completely based on medical, like what's medically best for your body, and it's based on the like the five elements system, like this like Chinese medical system and the acupuncture system. Mm. Um, they just know like these meridians, like this energy it's energy work. It's kind of like hard to explain in Western terms, but, yeah. but like I've been studying this since then. Um, I I've been studying this. So I'll get in more like what I did later That'd on with him, but, um, but yeah, like, like he, literally his treatment just worked for me. So I did his treatment, um, which was like, I was going twice a week, um, which is why I think I got better so quickly mm-hmm. because my mom was taking me twice a week. And then I also, he had an exercise, um, Qigong exercise class, which is like a self healing form of of exercise and and you um it's kind of like you can think like yoga um but chinese like if yoga is like indian food then qigong is like chinese food um it's not a perfect analogy but it kind of gets that like idea across and qigong is just like more focused on the energy um and so so i love the the exercise the qigong exercise it was the first time I really connected with my own inner internal energy. Um, they call it chi, but it's really like energy, right? So um, this was like really powerful for me that I could um, take control of my own energy and do self-healing work. And so um, basically I had dropped out of Penn State, right? So I like had nothing else to do. I literally was just doing this Qigong exercise for hours every single day. Um, and then I'd go to Master Hover Treatment. Um, and I just started getting better and What better. does that exercise look like? Is it standing, sitting, laying? Um, mostly standing, but there's all different um, and exercises. And you're moving your body um, physically. Um, sometimes it's just like more like, fit, like just standing and then like physical movements. We have like different exercises. There's breathing exercises also um, to direct chi or like energy to different organs. And um, there's like uh, standing um, pull like there's like um, different movements so you, you basically it. are just moving um energy around um your body and directing it to heal certain areas so i um, mean it's and it's again just based on medically like this is what's best for you to do not like some spiritual practice do you yeah. think that this is only weird because of our experience with western medicine like this is not like to somebody you're explaining this to they're like this is woo woo shit this isn't even real yeah like it takes it takes them to kind of hear like how it works and then you're like oh it works like and in the, yeah. if you went over in china it's not it's ma- they it do mainstream? this in, they do this in the hospitals in china yeah, exactly like the nurses exactly. Yeah. do the qigong mm-hmm. on the patients in the hospital and they learn know? it in their nursing program right I bet. Yeah. exactly like this isn't like some voodoo Shit. Well, that's like, a big issue. So with that's Western. that's what I've actually really want to work with Master Ho. We have a like potential research study with New York Medical College. Uh, Master Ho, Master Ho is like the real deal. He's treated some very famous people. I won't name them on this podcast, just out of like respect for the patients. But like, you would know these people. They are um, like like Hollywood stars. They are governors of states. Like currently, governors. He's treating them like. They are people you see in the news every single day, um, like good or bad. Like he's treated yeah. them like, um, you know, the names like especially um, people yeah. like that, too, where you definitely can't make it known. 
that you yeah know, like or you definitely uh it's like not CEOs you're in the public of, every CEOs day right? of yeah. companies that like you go into their stores all the time like yeah. like i've met some of these people through him like because of this work and it's been like it's incredible um is he do his you success. have conversations with him other than you know just the healing and things like that since since that time so like like at that in the beginning i was just like a patient um but but I like, and then I took his class and I was like, I want to learn more. I want to learn every time I go for treatment, I'd be like, I want to like, can you teach me this? Like, how can I learn this? Um, and he like just pushed me off the first couple of times. Cause I think he'd had some experiences with students who didn't really take it seriously in the past. And so he was like very hesitant to accept a new student to this, um, and, like more traditional in that way. Um, and this is something that's only been passed through his family, like the actual treatment he like his father only taught his their son like five generations like i said his father's father's father they didn't even teach the daughters like that was the way in china so wow. he was like the only one him and his brother you're not healing dog right right girl and, and his brothers <laughs> his brothers um no longer like with us right so like he's the last one wow. that has this form and does he have um, kids right now he has a daughter but she doesn't really learn the form either oh man he's got to get a son happening no, so, it so right now dude. so that's like i'm like masterhead like this can't die with you this is this worked for me like this is way too powerful and I, i've talked to so many other people that have like he's cured cancer for patients like he's done like amazing things um really successful with um um what's the word i'm i'm losing my um my word but well, healing, um, I guess, for right? if if you're if you can't get pregnant infertility, infertility. um yeah. really amazing like over 50 patients over 50 babies born in the united states like that they couldn't get pregnant for months and months or years. And then like wow. he gives them the treatment for like a couple of weeks and then they all of a sudden boom, baby. Um, like wow. it's, it's amazing. Like That's amazing. really incredible things. And like, can't like stage four breast cancer patients, like, like crazy stories, like people like me, he's very successful with Lyme disease with other patients as well. Um, so I've always recommended him for Lyme because that was the only thing that worked for me, you know? Mm. Um, but, but I've seen in my, even my family has had really great success. Like my mom had, like shoulder problem, knee problem, neck problem. She had to have her gallbladder removed. She kind of um, like neglected her health a little bit because she was taking care of me for so many years. Um, and so so she's had the opportunity now to get treated with Master Ho and has had amazing success. My brother had a really serious concussion. We were on a, like he was snowboarding and it was, so this was like January and he smacks his head while we're snowboarding. And um Basically, they rush him to the hospital, and he has terrible memory loss. Like, he doesn't remember anything from January or December. Like, he doesn't remember Christmas. He doesn't remember coming home from school. Like, from he goes to Notre Dame. He, they don't, he doesn't remember coming home and, like, Christmas or, like, anything. Like, what he got for Christmas. Like, any of those things. Master Ho did the um, treatment on his head for 40 minutes. Afterwards, he remembered who was sitting next to him at dinner, like, on Christmas Eve, like every single detail, like back, um, in a flash, like, like from that treatment. And so, um, I was just like, that's like one thing I've seen people walk in his office, like come in his office with like a wheelchair, like needing assistance, like leaving, like walking, um, after a couple of days, it's like, so, so many stories I've just from my time with master Ho I've seen because I'll go back like how, how I kind of saw this, but because like I, I wanted, I pushed him. I was like, I want to learn this. I really want to learn this treatment. Um, this is when I, I hadn't yet gone back to school. Um, I was just like, I want to learn this. And so I started studying with him 
uh, one-on-one and doing his Qigong treatment, like form learning with him. And I've, I've been lucky to learn with another student of his, like 20 years student, Carl. Um, and, and I love this, this practice, like it, it really works. And, and, um, it just, it just makes sense to me. Like, like since I've learned it, it it's all, it's not like, like voodoo or anything. Like it's, it's just based on like the human body. Um, and, and like there's it, his energy system. So like it recognizes like energy centers in the body and it like similar to like some of the stuff you see in like yoga. And uh, honestly, they should teach this in schools because like, like if we had like learned this in like, oof. Nah, no <laughs> if we had learned this in like elementary school, you know, like how many people could be benefiting from it and like but like they don't teach this you know like i like they teach like how to do push-ups in gym class not like how to yeah dude do some and like, like listen, med- meditation like if we could start yeah. at a younger age um so i'm super passionate about that but um I'll, I'll get into some of the more more interesting parts of the story um like eventually so at this time i'm actually I, there was a place across the street called robotech drink some water this is interesting right (laughs) people love this stuff um so there's a place across the street from master host called robotech and like one i'm going there all the time for treatment and like learning with him and i see robotech and i'm like um that's just like the engineer in me like i was like what's robotech um i I always do that when i go past a business if i can't figure out what it is i'm like "Ah, i need to figure out what yeah i was like a robot whatever with tech sounded like such a cool robotech i was like wow so i go in there one day um, like me and my dad um, went in there and it's this retired electronics teacher and he teaches kids about robotics. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I'm like here all the time. And I was just like, would you teach me? Like, would you um, just teach me about robotics? Like, Whatever, you know, I'm, I'm down to learn. I told him my story and everything, what I was doing. He was like, yeah, sure. Um, so, so I started going to him as like a one-on-one apprenticeship. So I was going across the street with master Ho for an apprenticeship. And, and this guy, it was like a gap year, I, I consider from college. Um, and I just started learning electronics. He taught me physics. He taught me electronics and like circuitry and robots we got into and like mechanical design a little bit. Like he just taught me everything he knew. And he got me to a point where he's like, honestly, I, I don't know what else to teach you. Um, like in a, just a matter of months, I was going like twice a week, I think to him also. Um, and he'd give me homework and I'd go home with these breadboards and make circuits and like make these, um, robots. Like I made a robot that solves like a Rubik's cube and stuff at that time. And like, that was fun. But like, we, we did some really cool like engineering projects. Like it was really like an experience. I'd never had anything like that in my engineering classes. It was like a one-on-one um, just teaching me. And like, it was more practical. He'd be like, Oh, if you're in a house, like if this is a house circuit board, like this is what you do, like so, stuff you'd actually like want to know. Um, and, and it made me really excited about robots. So finally, and I did like a, after that, I did a class at Rutgers, um, just a computer science class. And I took a physics class at my community college. And this was like one year basically. And, and I was like, all right, I'm ready to go back to school. I didn't want to go back to Penn state. Like I just had had kind of a bad experience there and I wanted to stay close to master Ho. That was like the main thing. I I just needed to stay here to keep getting treatment. I just decided like my health has to come first. That's the number one thing. If my health goes, everything else goes, but I decided to transfer to temple and I knew they had a really good mechanical engineering program. And so, and they also, um, 
I was interested in robotics. So I was like, all right, let me get into mechanical engineering. And I liked like this energy stuff. So I was like, maybe there's something there, you know, maybe I'll like write a formula for master. Or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Or like, maybe combine them. Yeah. Somehow or- yeah. Like some, maybe some robot, but like my brain wasn't like focused on that, but I was just like, robots are cool. And like, I want to finish my degree. And like, my parents wanted me to finish my degree. And master Ho even said, like, if you want to do this kind of work, honestly, you need your acupuncture license and, and like, you need to go back to get your undergrad first to get your acupuncture license. So I was like, all right. Wait, like, you got to have college for acupuncture? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you have to have an undergrad and huh. then you need two-year master's to do, so, to do acupuncture. Do you need less school to be a chiropractor than you do to be an acupuncturist? I think it's about the same. I don't think it's the same. You know, they people say the chiropractor. Do you do you um, a chiropractor or? Um, not to go I, off track. Here, I went. But. I went to one. Didn't help me. No. I tried. I tried everything for yeah. when I was having eye back true, pain. True. So I went to the chiropractor for like a couple months. Couple two chiropractors. I, I'm not going to say anything bad. They're no I, master ho. We'll say that. I, yeah, yeah, I'll just say they didn't. They didn't fix my Lyme. I can say that. But I like. I respect people go to them and have success, and that's great. I, I never say anything bad about any of the doctors I went to. Like they yeah. just weren't able to. They're help all me. trying. Yeah. Um. Maybe they can help other people. And yeah. yeah. Um. But anyway, the uh the uh you you would have had to get your license then. Right. Right. So anyway. I was like, and so like that made it kind of clear. Like, okay, if this is my career path or like whatever my I didn't know what my career path was, but I was like, whatever it is. I should get a degree because I don't know what it is. And like, I think it'll help me figure it out. So I went to temple cause it was close by and I could still get a master ho. And, um, well, like I, I applied to temple and they called me up the next day and said I was accepted. And so I was kind of like, all right, I'll go. <laughs> like, like it That's was just, it was so easy for me to get in there. Um, like I, it was just one day and they, they accepted They me. wanted you there. Yeah. It was like, that's what I felt like. So I was like, yep. all right, like I'll, I'll go. It like, sounds good. Like it's time for me to, to do this. And so like, I went there and I was like, for the first time in my life, I got straight A's like my first semester. Um, like I got the highest grade in the physics class. Um, like out of all the students, they asked me to be the TA the next semester. Like I was just doing super great. Like I never was a straight A student. I was always like, B plus like smart, but like, I was like, never like the top of the class, you know, like first in the, and then physics, like a lot of students take that class. So I was like, I felt good about myself, like at Temple, um, even the mechanical engineering classes were harder, but, um, what was the difference? Why'd you do so well then? Or I think it was something with the Qigong really helped my mental. So like once the, so I'll say that a little bit, like once the physical symptoms went away from my Lyme disease, all the mental symptoms cleared up right away. Um, and what were, uh, well, like you said, it was uh, like, cla- was you, your brain was cloudy and things like that, or like yeah, bra- that, yeah. brain fog. And like, um, like I always had the brain fog. I realized like later, but like, like in high school, I had this brain fog sometimes, but like, I didn't, it, you got used to a lot of yeah, this. You, you just like, cause you, that's your experience since you're, you're eight years old. Like you don't have another, anything to compare it to. So like, that's your normal. Um, but like, um, and I had at that time, like bipolar, like I was diagnosed with bipolar and they were giving me like drugs for anti-bipolar, which like, I don't consider myself bipolar now because I don't have like these manic episodes, but I definitely had like these crazy manic episodes and depressive states. Like now I'm more, maybe my personality is still kind of like that, but like, I'm much more um leveled out yeah. um which all was because of the qigong i i think i i really 
and like doing some med- meditation and, and like as like a regular practice. Are you still doing the meditation? Oh yeah, yeah. I try to do what it does that look every like? morning. Um, you um, guided, not guided. No, no. Well, now I not guided, not guided. I I just do. Um, I I switch it up. I I yeah. have a lot of. I've learned a lot of more like advanced meditations with Master Ho too, and I've had really amazing experiences. Um, like serious things I, I really wouldn't be able to put into words mm-hmm. um by doing this and i think it's something um i know you probably have like a younger audience maybe like like for me as a younger person doing like meditation and qigong i think it's amazing because i'll have this power my whole life like it's harder to meditate because we have kind of more thinking um but like and and like, you shouldn't meditate for those experiences like those are that's like extra like you really should meditate more for like the discipline and um, but like, I have seen amazing benefits for my life. And, and I, I think like, if I continue to do this, I'll just be helping my longevity and everything. I've been um, doing it for a long time. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's know, great. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to ever go back to what my brain feels like without it. Yeah. And that's why I do it. And it's not a insanely transformational thing. Like right. I didn't really see benefits until like six months. Mm. And then maybe a year or two in, I took a break. Mm-hmm. And then from the break to going back, it was night and day. And then wow. I finally realized the difference. Yeah, I, I had some like, because I'm not super consistent. But like once, like if I stop doing Qigong for like a couple of weeks, I'll feel it in my body. Like, like my pain will start to come back and stuff like like do you technically like, still have Lyme or um technically i think i'll always like test positive for it Got and it. like um i i don't i don't want to like say i have it because i don't have like symptoms anymore and and i'm really great like i i feel so good in my in myself now but um definitely there's like tendencies like and, and stuff like there's um there's still some like chronic things like that that won't go away but that are just side effects yeah but i'm like and like having that kind of pain for years like i'm still maybe still just like used to it you know like like i maybe do have some pain in my like back and stuff like that that i've um but the qigong helps so much like it really helps and how much time Um, do you spend a week doing that you would say now now i have it down more like a system like i do in the morning like an hour of like self like whether it's it's exercise or meditation or qigong like combination mostly like 20 minutes meditation 20 minutes qigong 20 minutes like exercise like actually like working out um but i'm i'm like playing around with it still i'm actually like figuring out my routine and then i do qigong throughout the day like some of the things like breathing you can do like sitting on the bus or sitting in the like coffee room or whatever like sitting in the car um there's like stuff you can do like and just like um even when you're not like totally attending but like there's at least at least minimum 20 minutes like closed eyes concentration like is on the energy and that's it and then that's that really helps me so that's every day um i i really try to do that if i don't do that then i notice it so it seems like there's a mindset associated with this now and and kind of your it's your it's your mindset is important, but it's also the fact that, like, you know, you yeah. have to keep doing these things to an extent, but yeah. also you've embedded it in your life so much that's kind of part of your life. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And let me talk about that too, because that's fun. Because, um, like, this became like 
my character a little bit. Like I was like Qigong dude. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that, but like, I, I'll, I feel like I missed some of the story and I, I want to keep the timeline. I know it's kind of hard to follow my timeline a little You're bit. You're good. No, we're doing fine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I transferred to temple, right? I'm doing mechanical engineering, doing great. I joined the robotics club my first semester. Um, that's when I had all the success with the physics and everything. And then my second semester, I got into a research lab. Um, and, and so this research lab was called the rise lab. It's like robotics and interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary science and engineering. Um, this lab, I was the only undergraduate student in the lab. It was like all PhD students and the rise lab focuses on these exoskeletons. So there are these like robotic devices. You put them on your legs, your ankles, and they make you walk faster, jump higher, like kind of like Iron Man, like literally these exosuits. We no we we studied them, and and work on them and test them and things. And uh, I was like, in, I was like, this is insane. I'm literally building like Iron Man suit. Um, um, but the thing we use them for is to help people with MS to rehabilitate, um, like during their recovery, so they can. And I just got so passionate about this. I was like, oh wow, I can use my skills as a mechanical engineer to help people walk better. Yeah. Um, and then that naturally led me to find prosthetics later on. Um, but that lab, like getting in that lab and having those experiences with these PhD students doing like a design, I did like a, a design for like a heel bracket, which it wasn't even like successful. Um, but like it was, didn't even end up getting into like my design, but like doing it with them and like going through the process. Like I learned so much about being an engineer um, way more than I did in like my engineering classes, like being in that lab and actually working on things and doing projects that I cared about and like choosing what I wanted to do to like do for a lab project, you know, like that was like um, that experience was way like really gave my my engineering career like character. I feel like my my time at Temple that really defined it for me, like that lab and so i actually dropped the robotics club because i just didn't have time to do everything like um i just focused on that and then um then COVID happened mm -hmm. so this that, so this was yeah. to paint the picture 2019. 2019 i 2019 i joined the lab and then um like 2019 i transferred into temple uh um joined the lab and then 2020 I'm in the lab. Like I was going to do an, I was like a paid undergraduate intern. I was like going to be over the summer, like paid. I was just doing like free. Like I didn't, like I loved like for the experience and they were going to pay me over the summer. Um, and then that summer is when COVID happened. And so COVID, I did still work with the lab over the summer, like virtually. And I did a paid thing with them in the fall, um, like virtually just because of the setup. But COVID really like, had a big impact, especially, and I, I want to talk more about the Qigong like impact because that, that kind of dictated how things went for me. So, um, um, because master Ho had taught these classes, like I said, in person, um, that was like kind of the business also, like he taught these in-person classes, um, Qigong classes, and there'd always be like 20 to 30 people in these classes. And so, um, because of the pandemic, we had to cancel the, the, the semester we were like we can't do these in-person classes and so i actually was like well what if we did them on zoom and so we set i set up master ho on zoom and and organized this whole class on like teachable 
Um, and we had all of these students come and we were able to like triple the size of his classes because we got all of these students who had no longer been able to come see him in person that like were all over the country, all over the world. All of a sudden we were having people come in from Australia and like India for our class, like our Qigong class, which only before was restricted to Mount Laurel. And we found that Qigong teaching online was very effective. Like Master Ho could see everyone's camera individually. It's not like you're in this big room where he can't see the person in the back. Like he can actually see what you're doing on the camera and see the energy and, and like your movements and everything very clearly. And and it's almost like a on the other side, like a one-on-one experience. You see just Master Ho on this big screen and you're not seeing like all the other people. And so it was like very good um, experience. People loved the the online, it's easier. You don't have to go drive to Master Ho's house. Like you just turn on your Zoom camera and and then if you missed it, we have recordings for you. It's like there's a lot of great things. And I put together these PDFs for that. And so I actually was like, I got super into it. Um, and I changed my Instagram name to Qigong Dude. Now this I looking back, I, I won't say it was it was a mistake, but like it it caused me problems later on. When um, but like I'll I'll get into that later. Okay. Um, but like like I made my name Qigong dude and um, and I started just talking about my story and like these classes we were doing and people flocked to it. Like it would really worked on social media cause it was just interesting. And it was during the pandemic, everyone's at home. And I was talking about Qigong, which is like this practice most people haven't heard of. And so I connected with all these like yogi people, like yoga people and did these live streams. And I was like an Instagram influencer. I, I got like wow. um, 20,000 followers on my Instagram channel over that year, like just posting about <laughs> Qigong, like, and like I'd post like breathing exercises and like teach it a little bit, but like, it wasn't easy to teach it on Instagram, but I'd like, like do even just like motivational stuff. And like, um, just like, like talk about like an exercise or like just every day was like different, like compare yoga versus Qigong. I'd have like different posts and some of them were like really great. Like I did a like live stream with, um, I was Qigong dude. I did a live stream with Qigong lady and we had like, I think like 200 people like on the live stream at the same time, like stuff like that. I, I loved like that. Like for me, like I was like, this is really cool. Like I can have an audience. Um, So that was really powerful for me. And I was also dealing with Master Ho, like doing business. Like for my first time, it was like my first kind of entrepreneurship experience. Like I was actually um, like we had sales and like, and like we had expenses, you know, I had this website and like, it wasn't like crazy business, but it was like, it was like a business, you know, like, and I was like, I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, like I I can figure this out. Um. But like at the same time, I was still doing my engineering work and I was really passionate about that. So I was doing my work in the lab and I was like Qigong dude. And like I was kind of figuring out how to balance that. And um, and yeah, it was it was cool. And, and I've been continuing to learn with Master Ho and like been his friend and everything. And this is now yeah. going into 2021 or. Yeah, yeah. So let's say like end of end of 2020, like pandemic. We've had pandemic for a while now. Um, deep handy wandy as we call it. Here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, official term. Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories. There's another story, just um, I think is interesting at this time. Go for um, it, bro. I I met a girl online, so so she's now my fiance. Oh um, shit! Um, Y'all met online. It worked. So she's she gung crazy story, but like <laughs> I was on Omegle with my friend, 
And, um, and I never, you were on, you used Omega in the last I, five years. I had never been on Omega in my life. Wait, you never used it when you were a teenager? No, or young? I just never did it. I don't know oh, why. Oh, dude, I don't know why. You like, I'd heard out, it. Boy. I had heard of it, but I had not ever done it. That and my friend dope. came over, and we're on Omega, and like, I this was like I was setting up the Qigong stuff, but I was just like, it was my one night. Like I just like had like a friend, and like it was the summertime. Like there's no school. Um, I was just like, um, chilling with him. He's like, have you ever gone on Omega? And so we go on, we start talking to people and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Like I can just, this was before I did the Instagram thing too. Um, I was like, I can just like talk to people online, like, like just like face to face. They're right like, there. Yeah. Right there. And so we just kept doing this. Um, and then like, um, I was like, this is really interesting. And he left and I just was like, huh. And I just kept staying on Omega and like, um, just like meeting new people. And I was, I really loved this like engagement, but I was um, I don't know. I just kept doing it. And then finally I like f- found this one girl. So her name's Laura. And I just like, I don't know. We hit it off right off the bat. Like conversation was great. Like attractive. Like I, I was like interested. Like um, we just continued talking for like a couple hours. Um, just like us. Like I wasn't like going to talk to anyone else. Like this was, I found the person. Like she was so cool. And then my computer died. And I was like, oh, shit like like my computer died i was freaking out i was like oh she's gonna think i swiped on her you know like yeah. we just been having like a really deep conversation uh but luckily i got her instagram so i went on instagram and i just see my guy um, facetimed I, I knew you were gonna save this one <laughs> i i was like thank god i facetimed her and we were then we were up to like four in the morning just talking y'all like, just hitting it off huh? yeah yeah and then after that it was like every single day so and where like, is she where is she located so she's in brazil no way yeah. she's brazilian she's brazilian but she speaks amazing english no shit. Um, she got a yeah. little accent though because so. yeah yeah strong no, accent I'm, I'm but like super i loved it i don't know dude that brazilian accent yeah really yeah dude amazing and and um and then i like um so in december like this was in the summertime it's like flash forward to december i like went down and visited her um, in Brazil, like during the pandemic, like, just like I'm sending yeah, it. Not, Yo, yeah, that was men insane. Will do. They will break any rule <laughs> to, to Dude, get what they gotta get. Master Ho. Well, I wanted to go in August, and like my parents and Master Ho were like, "No, you can't go." And I was like, like really mad. And then I went through the whole semester, and like at the end of the semester, I was still in school, but I went anyway to Brazil. Um, but I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a good story. Like, um, how we met, That's like, awesome, man. yeah, we literally talk every day. She's the there family. an hour. Yeah. She's still in Brazil. Um, we applying for like a, a visa for her to come here. Um, but the U S government's just taken way too long. Come but, on, come on. U S government. Yeah. They're right here in that message. camera. Right? <laughs> yeah. The they're, they're watching. <laughs> come on. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we did that. Um, I know that's a little bit of sidetrack from like the story. No, we were, I like we it. Wrong, but well, yeah, so but that was like a big part. Like she really helped me. Um, like kind of figure out a lot of things like like I'd have someone to talk to you about this because it was the pandemic. I think that's like like my experience during the pandemic. Like it was the first time I was like, like felt so isolated, you know, and like the pandemic really brought me back to that time where like I had been alone in my room, like with Lyme disease, kind of like um, even I wasn't sick, but I was like I felt like that, like just be- like because of COVID and the way I wasn't allowed to leave the house. Um, so it didn't like, make it any better for sure no but like having instagram as an outlet and having her to like talk to 
like it really helped a lot and i realized this virtual world is actually the real world too i um, i, I wouldn't dude i yeah. uh we me and my girlfriend started dating march 20th 2020 yeah so i i, I had the similar a similar experience yeah i think i was like the next month like yeah. one month later yeah and yeah. and luckily like we were only 20 minutes from each other so we had it was yeah that's we're the, long distance yeah. now so i've been okay. long distance for two years or something like that it's tough hours yeah. not like countries but still no no but, this, but we're the, literally on the opposite side of the world <laughs> yeah but yeah. it's like if you're two and a half hours or you're two and a half weeks away it's just like it's the same thing it's yeah. pretty similar it's you know? tough it's really tough and um uh, but like i but it didn't really matter for me at that time i think just because like any girl i wouldn't have been able to go see them anyway i felt like kind of in person no so. it actually like was the perfect time for you to meet somebody virtually actually yeah it was perfect virtual time um and then now we're just like trying to make it work so we can be together and you proposed or you, um you yeah so or? i've been there three times since then and uh i did propose the last time i hey, went respect brother because so, i was um honestly i feel like i'm young to get married but i i know she's the one and like and just it's the easiest way to get her here to be with me. So um, I feel like I'm ready and, and we're doing this. So I love I'm it, all in. I yeah. Love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to um, connect with her again soon. I'm, I hope to go down there again, but, um, but, but yeah, anyway, so like this time is, is kind of um, like a changing transformation period for me. Like I'm like figuring out what I want to do with my life. I think like making some big decisions and um, you had your apprenticeship. You yeah, I've gone experience. through my exper- my apprenticeship, my experience. Now I've got to like get this degree. Yep. I think that's like kind of like a weight on me. But I'm like figuring out like what I do, what do I want to do after? And I and so this is when I realized like I don't really want to be like an engineer working at a company doing like engineering work every day. Like I felt like I had so many ideas and visions and like my experiences. I just felt like I have to do something different, you know. Like I, that's just not me. Like I'm not a like I'm a good employee. Like I'll do a really good job if you hire me. I'll do the best job, you know. And like and like if I want to do that job, I will do the job. Um, but I just couldn't see myself building someone else's dream, making someone else rich. Like when I could do my own business. Um, so I kind of already started to think on on those lines and like fi- trying to figure out how can I support this. Like can I do qigong treatments and and do this or like can I like have this classes, like do coaching, so like trying different things, like figuring it out. And then um, basically I was still working with the exoskeletons and I, I had to have like a backup plan. So my backup plan was like kind of doing something with the military. I always felt really strongly. Um, I have a big military family and like my grandparents were served and like, I just kind of wanted to serve my country. So I was looking at like, maybe I could, I love the exoskeletons, like the actual science and stuff so i was like maybe i can do exoskeletons like with like a military contractor like with the military um and that could be my role or i could just like work with the military in another capacity like that was kind of part of me was thinking that and then um i was just like figuring it out i literally like had all these options i think it was like it might sound like um like complaining but i was like stressing over having all these different options so it was a good problem to have um I, i was definitely like putting a lot of weight on myself that to figure it out. Um, and then um, it came time. Um, I actually did an internship with a prosthetics company. I, I really loved um, the idea of prosthetics. Like I had never really thought about it before. Honestly, it never even crossed my mind. But since I found the exoskeletons, 
Um, and like I was helping people walk better. It's in the same department as that. Yeah, it's. I mean, they literally like the same companies make the same things. Yep. And I was like, okay, um, like prosthetics, and like it just made sense to me. And I was like, prosthetics, prosthetics, like okay, let's learn more about this. You know, I, I wasn't like I was just like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like I'm so passionate. Like from the it beginning, was just standard I curiosity. Was just like, yeah, curiosity, and um, and I actually. Um, for my senior project. So this is where I, I start. Um, my senior project was um, based on like waterproof prosthetics. I, I had the same advisor as the, the advisor in my research lab. Um, he had a project with the prosthetics company as like a sponsor. And we were focused on the fact that most prostheses aren't waterproof. Um, so they have a lot of metal componentry that will rust and get wet. Um, if you like um, get in the shower, for example, um, or if you go in the pool. And so they had this idea for like a swimming leg or like a shower leg, like a waterproof prosthetic device. Right. And so um, basically I kind of took it upon myself before that project even started. So this is like during, I remember I was in Brazil, um, like the semester hadn't ended yet. And I, I had the first meeting like with the group about this. And I was like, honestly, like still not so sold on like, what it was we were doing. I was like, this is, sounds like a cool project, but like we hadn't defined what it was going to be yet, you know? And like, um, I remember in, like in Brazil thinking, well, this is like pretty cool. Um, I can't wait till I get back like to work on this. Actually, yeah. like part of me was like, even I was like having an amazing time in Brazil. I was like, yeah, I kind of want to like work on this. And so I came back, it was still a like, Christmas break. And I started, um, one night, I was like on hashtag amputee on Instagram. Cause I was just like, I was for whatever reason working. I do this like sometimes at night. And I was just like looking at, um, our project report and in the, in the report, I don't know who had written it, but they said, um, like one, I was on a team with three girls for the senior design project. And it had said like the biggest challenge for us as like engineers is going to be empathizing and understanding the problem that are that's faced by people with amputation. So like, if we can understand that problem, then we can solve it. Basically. Like it's not going to be like a mechanical issue. It's going to be the biggest hurdle we face right now, at least is like understanding their problem. And I read that and I was like, okay, we need to interview amputees like that. That just became really clear to me. And I was like, and this is like my project, like it's my senior project. And, and then this is like where the light bulb hit. I was like, okay, we need to talk to a lot of amputees. I went on Instagram and I just, I was on hashtag amputee, like looking at them. And then I, whatever reason, I found this one girl and she was just talking about like her experience. And I was like, why don't I just message her? You know, like I, we were thinking we were going to go through this clinic and like try to like get them to like meet, like be a students but i was like why don't i just message her and i just i wrote this long message like explaining my project and like how i was interested and i just sent it to her and then i like stayed on instagram like scrolled it tomorrow i was like wait why don't i send that like same message to this person and so i like kind of rephrased it like looked through their posts a little bit like rewrote it for them and then like i was like okay like this is for them and then sent it to them and then i like did that for like 30 more people and then like, I think like five or six of them did respond to me like, um, and, and I got like a really good response and I asked them if they would do like a zoom interview with me. And so I interviewed like five amputees, like the first day. Um, and I, and I talked to all these amputees and they, 
it, this was like game changing for me. They just told me their stories and it like really, I just connected with their stories. Cause like, um, and, and just like really hearing their problems. And like, I had experienced so many of those problems. And then I spoke with this kid. He's an eight year old below knee amputee. And, and, uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but, but he's really like great person and, and him and his mom, I was interviewing them. And, um, basically um like he had lost his leg in a traumatic incident and and he was telling me the story like when he goes to a water park in order to go down the slide at the water park you can't wear your prosthetic leg down the slide because it's a safety hazard and so he has to crawl up these spiky metal steps um in order to go down the water slide and like on his hands and knees he crawls on these spiky metal steps like and i was just like this story just like got to me like I just remembered all the things that I couldn't do when I was a kid because of Lyme disease and like like that like were restrictions for me um and and like this just hearing this story I was like you know what <laughs> fuck it you, you can know? curse on the podcast yeah I was that's in my head fuck it like I'm gonna make a water park leg um like something that he can use and just go down the water slide and it'll be safe and I'll like I'm a mechanical engineer I can make this thing. Like, you know, I was like, I will figure out whatever I have to do. Like our feet can go down the slide, right? Like I'm going to make a foot that can go down the slide. And I knew this problem like a little bit more intimately than most people, because part of my story that I skipped earlier, but like when I was in high school, I was a lifeguard. Um, I had always been on the swim team since I was four years old. I was a swimmer. Um, and I, I was a lifeguard at Sesame place, which is a theme park yeah. for kids. And so my job, and I wasn't just the lifeguard, I was the team lead. Like I, I was the lifeguard for the first year and then they promoted me. I was like the youngest lifeguard they'd ever had at Sesame Place. And then they like promoted me and I was like managing like 300 lifeguards, right? Um, basically was the job. Like I was in charge of a huge area of the park. And if there was any emergencies, like I responded to those emergencies. And I just remember like, I, so like if anything happened, I would get in trouble. And like, there was something, there was rules um, on the slides. And one of the rules was you can't wear your shoes down the slide because it's a safety hazard. If your leg gets caught on the side of the slide because of the friction, you'll break your leg. And like, we don't want people to break their legs. So you can't wear your shoes on the slide. So the lifeguards aren't allowed to let the people ride it because it's safety. And, and so like when he told me, like, I can't wear my leg down the slide. It just, I knew that. Like, I was like, yeah, you can't wear your leg down the slide. But then I thought about him like crawling up the steps like the spiky steps. And I was like, but that's not a solution. Like that's, there's just gotta be a better solution. So my first reaction was I'm going to make a water park leg. And then I kept doing these interviews. I kept messaging people on Instagram and everybody, like I wanted to do beach legs and pool legs. Like as I talked to people, people told me different situations. I was just like asking like, so what do you do in the water? Like, how do you go to the beach? And like, I was like, okay, I can make a leg like this. Like I can do this. I can do this. And then um, I just realized after all my interviews that the shower was something that everybody has a problem with. Um, and it's something that everyone needs to do every single day. You have to take a shower. It's a necessity. And especially for these people with the amputation, because they have a residual limb, which is encased in the silicone liner inside of a socket all day. So like they are wearing this silicone on their leg and it's getting sweaty and dirty and they need to clean it and take care of it 
And so there's like no suitable, like they can't wear their prosthesis in the shower, even if it was waterproof, because like they need to be able to wash their leg and take care of it. And like, this was a problem that I talked to so many people about. And so I actually um, spoke with some, um, like a lot of different people, like above knee amputees and below knee amputees. And, and what I found was the below knee amputees, like not all of them, everybody kind of has their own method. And it was really interesting to learn how they did it. Um, but like people would sit on the floor, people would stand on one foot and just risk it. Um, but like if they fall, they could really hurt themselves. Um, I talked to someone who had fallen, landed on the residual limb and she needed to have another surgery because of that fall. And so it's like very dangerous, um, and like it's slippery. And so, but a lot of below knee amputees will put their knee and rest their shin on the device. Um, and actually like on, sorry, on the shower chair. So they'll use a shower chair. I get it. But they won't sit on it. They'll put their leg on it. And so that kind of gave me an idea to create this device that um, you could rest your knee on and also use as like a mobility aid um, and have like a handle there. Um, and, and I had another idea, like you could use this as a cane kind of. Um, and, and I kind of combined those two together. And I worked with my team, um, especially a team member, Amoya. So she actually is a bioengineer. I had two other mechanical engineers, but me and Amoya like worked together and also the other team members. And eventually I like just through these interviews that I did um, really conceptualized a really powerful design. Um, and then I'd, I'd like show it, go back to those amputees and I'd show them. I'd be like, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think about this? I came up with four different designs, like totally different wacky things and like came in and then they'd like, um, like be like, Oh, I like those two or like, I like that one. And then I'd be like, okay, this one makes more sense. This one makes more sense. And then like, I'd show them like, what do you think about this? Like, should I change this? What do you think about this? And then over that process, like design something that they wanted. Like everybody was like, yeah, that works. I want it, you know, like, like and I can, I just showed it them. And then eventually, so we um, 3d printed like a prototype and, and I tested it a lot, like took showers with it and everything. And it works, you know, I was like, um, got to the point where I'm like, I would use this if I was missing my leg. Um, and I walk around my basement with it all the time, like walk around my house up at the stairs. Like, I'm like, honestly, if I didn't have a prosthesis and I was missing my leg, I would use this to get around. Um, and we designed it like in a way, like from those interviews, um, to be compactable. So, so like a lot of people said like they are fine in their shower at home, but when they go to a hotel or like an airbnb they don't know the shower situation there and a lot of the times like um i have a friend he he's a motorcycler and he um goes to these like events and those events the hotels get booked and they only have like five handicapped bathrooms um accessible bathrooms and so they like are booked out and he can't get access to them and then he doesn't have an accessible bathroom and he can't like do anything like so people have to sit on the floor and like the dirty bathroom at the hotel like that's like wrong for me so i'm like okay so it has to be collapsible or like compactable so you can put it into a small bag so we made sure that all the parts can come apart and you can put it into a small bag and like all these little things you wouldn't just normally think like oh like i'll make it collapsible you um or like i'll put the handle so they can use it like a cane like things like this or like i'll have it open so they can wash the residual limb you know um, or like easy to put on. So if they need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, they don't need to put on their full prosthetic leg, like their silicone liner and their leg. They can just grab this thing and go. Um, like what's the use case? Where are they going to use this? Is it going to be 
outside mowing the lawn or is it going to be in the shower? Okay. It's not going to be outside. It's going to be in the shower. So like we'll design it. It's got to be waterproof and we make all these criteria, but it's based on what people want. And so I think uh, my ability to empathize with those people and understand their stories and then like take that and use my engineering knowledge to design things, put that together. I was like, I can make a really great device. And so we have this one um, calling it the navigator, help you to navigate the bathroom, navigate the shower. And um, we're at the point where like, I need more people to test it and give me feedback. Cause like they all look at it and say, that looks great. And they watch me walk around with it. And they're like, yeah, like I just need to try it. And like, I need them to try it. Cause I'm not an amputee. And like, I did not design this for myself. I designed it for them. I designed it for like you, like you amputees, you know, like, oh, that's what I said. Like, I'm, this is for you. Like, what do you think about it? Um, that's kind of like, I want, I need to give it to them and, and let them try it. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. And so we're, we're doing like a Kickstarter campaign, um, in this November. That's what I've been like gearing up for a little bit more, um, just to like raise funding for the beta testing for this. Cause I realized it does cost money. Like it is a business, um, but like, I'm not really in it to like enrich myself. It's more like, I'm just on this mission to get this device into the hands of people that, that deserve it in my opinion and, and need it. And then like, I like any money we make, I just want to put it into the next project. Like I have so many other things I want to do. For example, like we have a design for the above knee amputee community, which is different because they don't have that part of their leg to rest on. So they need a different design, but I have like a design that's pretty much ready to go. As soon as this one's done, like um, we're going to do that one. Then we have to do testing for that one too. And like go through the process. So I'm kind of just like, like feeling urgency, not so much just like to get this one out the door. Like I, I, they've been waiting. Like this is something that should have been done hundreds of years ago, in my opinion. So like, let's get it done and like do it now. Um, We have the technology, we have access and like, let's, Rather than me go work on cars, like I said earlier, like, let me work on this and solve this problem. Um, and I, I hope, like, 100 years from now, people will still use this type of device or, like, like maybe there's, like, I, I know it's not perfect. Like, the, the it's not perfect. It's, like, you can't have a iPhone 13 unless you have a 1, 2, 3, 4 yeah. kind of thing. So, like, but I do feel like the version 1 that I've created will help a lot of people. And I'm really passionate about that. So I'm just I'm trying to get um, some funding so I can make it happen because um, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I, I know I kind of went off in so many different directions. No, I'm but, just letting it breathe. Um, why? Yeah, that's 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 what it is. Yeah. Why haven't these companies done this? Why haven't these? Is it the issue not big enough? Is the market not big enough? Did they not know it was an issue? Right? Because you have these massive. Uh, massive meaning you know, like you know I talked biggest with, ones. I talked with people at some of these companies um that are like I've connected with a lot of people through LinkedIn um like that work at these companies and the there's a couple different problems and, and the main one is just that um I think it's the the funding <laughs> like um there's not the the mark yeah like the market size I guess isn't the big enough for them to like tackle all of these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, which you would think, like, though, they still should have... The, the real problem is these companies aren't innovating. This is what made me so passionate to start Liquid Limbs is because, like, they're kind of just doing the same thing. Maybe they'll, like, make small incremental changes and, like, improve their knee, robotic knee or whatever. And, like, they'll, they'll, make, they'll make improvements and, like, they do. But, like, the majority of these big companies aren't innovating. 
they just wait for like a startup like me to kind of create something and then they'll buy them out when they get big enough. So are you, is that why you, are you seeking investment for percentages or? Well, like I'm, I'm being very careful right now um, because I don't want, I don't see this like liquid limbs. I, I don't think we should kind of um, go the same route that some of these other startups. Like there's a startup, Naked prosthetics. They make these finger prosthetics, really robust, functional fingers, like very amazing fingers. Um, but they use really expensive materials, like, um, and it's like a like a very custom process. Um, it's not I, as much an affordable. Yeah. Design. So I actually, I maybe detour for a second, but I did yeah. an internship with a prosthesis um, prosthetics company, and I made these three D printed fingers. For people with partial digit amputations and they're they're three printed they print in place so there's no like metal joints or anything you just print it out there's like some strings and um it just works like a finger and it like allows you to pick up objects so it happened with your tendon or something so, how does it actually move the, or the rest of your so finger you need it? to have like a residual limb oh i see um, so you have part it. of your finger that's still yeah there. it's it's Got for it. a certain level of amputation on the finger but it works and, and i made one for a nurse and he was um, he does a lot of typing and like office work cause he's a nurse. And so this was something that allowed him to like do that typing and, and, and stuff. And he's really like loved it. He, his reaction when I, he did like a Rubik's cube, yeah. um, I had him solve a Rubik's cube and he was like able to do it. He, like just that feeling that really, that was during my project. I was, I was working with the company as an intern. Um, but, but like that gave me the push. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to help these people get that feeling like i gave this person back so you're more about Um, function than you are about like the technology even you're really trying to solve a problem like you're not obsessed with like having the highest quality xyz like or doing the most complicated design like maybe some of these companies are doing you're more so about solving the problem for people right like i i mean like I want people, I want to help as many people as possible with something that really works. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I'm not going to sacrifice like function over anything. So even if it looks maybe like our foot, the foot on our product, for example, it doesn't look like a foot. Um, But I'm like, why does it need to look like a foot? So the foot is designed. It's really, it's got a wide base because that gives you um, like good surface area friction with the floor. So that's like a functional like engineering decision that this is a large foot because it allows you to stand in the shower and feel safe and confident that you're safe in the shower. It's also got this unique geometry that allows for water drainage, which a lot of prosthetic feet, if you take them in the pool afterwards, you need to like take it off and dump out the water and stuff. Like if you go to the beach because it fills so up with water, it's almost like a, a, a boat, like how the boats. Have. Yeah. Yeah. And they fills up with water. Like, and whereas then, and like then the bilge pump bilges them out. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this is for the shower. So like yeah. it shouldn't fill up with water. Like no. you shouldn't have to dump it out afterwards. So like, that's why it has this shape. So, and this, so like yeah. I'm more, and like, it's still, I think it still looks really cool in my opinion. Like I'm a good designer in that aspect, but like, I'm not going to sacrifice function and, and like mobility um, I actually saw so our logo um, is has like a trident on the top. Maybe we could pull that up, Trip. Yeah, if you pull up Liquid Limbs Family, quick plug um, on the Instagram yeah, or on on. And for people listening, LinkedIn, we'll have liquid, the links. Liquid uh, Limbs. If you're not watching the YouTube, uh, we will have the links so you can pull that up um, immediately on the website. Right, but and then I don't even know if that's a good place to get the logo. But li- our LinkedIn is at Liquid Limbs also, um, and and the logo 
has like a trident at the top because I I want people to think of our products like tridents, like something a god would use, mm. not like not like a crutch um, or not like a cane, like which has these like kind of negative connotations. Yeah, like this connotations. is something yep. that should empower you. Like when you use the navigator, you should feel like. I'm ready to go. Like I'm grabbing my navigator, you know, like you, I'm grabbing a trident. You That's know what, what you I'm, need. Yeah. Partnership with Lincoln. Lincoln. Lincoln navigator. You need to have, they can fund it. Well, I, I'm worried about the trademark. I think we that. might be all right. Cause it's like a different sector. Yeah. Honestly, I, I'm always open to sponsors and, and um, any collaborations like nonprofit organizations, anybody that but wants you're not to trying to, somebody comes to you and they're like, we got a hundred K for, 10% or whatever. You're not looking for a I shark tank deal here. I haven't gone after those investments yet. I have connections. Like I yeah. said with Master Ho, like I know some of these people, they have especially the, doctors. They have the bags got for a it. disposable income. What I'm looking for right now is to see what we can do to, in terms of like bootstrapping it, we will need to raise that kind of money, but I, I don't want to like devalue the company right now because because we have such a great potential. Like I, I've only told you this first idea, which is this like shower product. But like I have, I can't imagine crazy yeah. plans. Um, like it's like a Disney map. Like like yes. all the thing about all the aspects Disney touch. They got Disney World. They got Mickey Mouse. They got. But like my plan is like is like that kind of thing. And and I have like what's next. But like I'm doing this in in a sequential order. Like the shower I've evaluated, and I'm like this is the most important thing. Let's solve this problem, get this product on the market, and then we can do the next one. Um, and I want to just see, like, because I think I have really good goals, and I think other people will get behind those goals. Um, and so I want to see if, like, crowdfunding is an option for us um, in terms of support for this. And so, like, um, even, like, people that believe in our, like, the logo, like I talked about, like, we've got that trident symbol. Yeah. Um, we've also got this octopus, which, um, octopus limb, which, like, liquid limbs, um, and, and the octopus is all about like agility and kind of innovation. And so we, and we have, and like water, we have some of these like different symbols that, that like really represent our brand, which I, I talk about more, yeah. um, on like, on like our social media and stuff. But like, I, I think like, um, by building more of a brand that, that people with amputations can believe in, um, and, and not just people with amputations, but that, um, able-bodied people can support. Um, then we can really support this company. Um, hopefully not so much like giving away the company to these angel investors that want to see a return and want to see an exit. Cause the, the only way that those investors would get their money back is if I go and sell it to Oser for like $50 billion or whatever it is, which like, I would only do that if it was really synergistic. And if it was really going to be the truth that they could take this company and do things that I couldn't do with it. Um, um, because of their resources and like impact people in a way, but I just have so much vision for these things that I need to implement that like, I see at least five to 10 years of like really solid work of like already in my mind and like, who knows what's going to happen next, you know, but like, I'm like planning out like the next couple of years and I'm like, I can't like give away the company. Um, if I have this inside of me, um, that I have to deliver first. So I'm still figuring that out, you know, like it's, I'm still a new CEO, new startup founder, but, um, and we will take investment. Like we will need, um, hopefully, uh, love to go on shark tank one of these days and, yeah, and yeah. pitch us. To I can see you on there. 100%. Mark Cuban and, easily, and like easily. show them our products, but we're not there yet. Yeah. We're still early. Yeah. Um, so I feel we're early in terms of that. And, and also 
So we have crowdfunding and then there's grants. Um, I'm hoping that the government will support this because we are really going to help military veterans. I kind of talked a little bit earlier about how I want to like give back to the, to the military community. And I found this way, like I can really give back to the military veterans and, and get them these devices, hopefully for free for like, get, just get them these things. And um, that's my goal is, and and honestly, I, I have ideas where people won't even need to pay for these prostheses. Like we will make them, affordable in such a way that they will be free to all all people deserve legs i i really yeah. believe that in my heart that like if like you deserve a leg I, I just feel that so um and and you deserve a waterproof leg like you're if our legs are waterproof like no matter what your ability is like you deserve access to the technology that will enable you to do what you want to do that that's just like i think for me that that technology was qigong and it took me 12 years to find it. And I finally found Qigong and it helped me become a whole new person. And like, if, if for you, that's a prosthetic leg, um, or if like that lets you climb a mountain, then get that, like, we should get you that leg as a human species. Um, we can work together to like enable access. It's just about access to technology. Cause think about like someone in Brazil where they don't have access to this prosthetic technology or Nigeria in Nigeria, only 9% of amputees have access to prostheses, 9%. That means 81% of people don't have a leg to walk around on, like, of amputees. And, and like, here in the United States, it's kind of the opposite. Um, but, like, we should make that access, like, like we just need to make the thing. Like, it's, like, it's not, like, there's, like, the economics don't make sense. I'm like, we'll just make it. Like, like we can make the money work out later on, like, if we all work on this. Um, so I just want to motivate people to um, understand what I'm, where I'm coming from and, and like hopefully support my mission, um, give us some money to do this and, and as like a gift or like as a crowdfunding, like um, you get like some reward, like a T-shirt um, with our branding on it. Um, and I want people to be able to buy one so you can like purchase one for a military veteran um, and, and like through our campaign. There's so many ways I, I think we can do outreach right now in Ukraine. Um, people are losing limbs every single day because of the ongoing war. And we have the opportunity with this product because they those people, they're in a war zone. Like they can't get a prosthesis made. They're literally in a war zone. Like they they are losing a limb and then they can't have a prosthetic made for weeks to months. Right. But this device that we've created can help them have mobility even they can't have a prosthetic leg, they can at least use this to get around during that time. Um, so I'm really passionate. Like as soon as we have the funding capabilities for this, they're like, let's get a hundred of them over there and just like, see if it, if they like them and, and stuff too, you know, yeah, like yeah. I wanted, like, I'd just be sending them over there. If, if I had like the capability to do that, I just need the support from the universe to kind yeah. of allow that, but I'm working on it on my end. I, I think I'm doing everything I can working on myself. I get up like 5am, woke up at 5am this morning, been going all day. Um, this is like what I'm trying to do. It's like this, this is my main goal. Um, kind of have like even the Qigong stuff. Like I've stopped talking about it on social media just cause I need to focus on one thing. Um, even as, as passionate as I am about that, like this is right now, like what God wants me to do. I'm not super religious, but like, it's my duty. I really feel like this is bigger than me. It's, it's like, I've been placed in this position, had, have been given these experiences and more so like the ideas, like, 
like if anything god whatever gave me the ideas for this um and i feel like those ideas um i've developed them to the point where i feel it's my duty to enact on them mm-hmm. so um that's what i'm doing and and uh yeah that's 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 my my mission man as unfortunate as it may be of the things that you had to go through throughout your life it is it has set you on this path you know and Dude, the- it gave me character like yep. i i really think of myself as a character in a really really good story and like a good story isn't all sh- shiny days you know like like i am i am a character and i tell my story by living my life every day and so this is the chapter of my story where I get to help people with like physically challenging disabilities to live more mobile lives. And um, I have the opportunity to do that. And I'm going to do that because I feel like everything has given me this opportunity and it's in my hands now. So, um, and that's what I just want to work with whoever can help us to, to do that. Yeah. Hopefully uh, you, you can grab some content from this and, and use that to promote as well. And that's the power of the podcast. I hope so. I believe in the podcast. This felt great. Even just as like to talk with you and like um, talk about my story a little bit. And uh, the, the better, the more that you talk about and explain it, the better that you get at that. You yeah. Know? Cause I could say the story in so many different ways. Like I yep. probably could have yep. left out the part about my fiance, you know, but like that's, she's an important part of my life or I could have mm-hmm. left out the part about she gone. Well, that's the right. that, that's the reality of there is no life and business. It's right. just life. Yeah, that's my life. It's just your life, and at least with me, like with everything I do, it's it's all intertwined somehow in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're putting time to something, you're taking time away from something else. Yeah, that's true. So energy, time, it's all yeah. finite. You know. Yeah, that's why I, I like even told her I was like, look, like I kind of had to put the business first right now, and yeah. like yeah. I might not. Uh, be able you to know call how many you. times I said that. And then, like, I'm just like, look, I can't, like, that's just, that's, like, but, you're, like, yeah. business number one, you're number two, and then I'm number three. But that's, <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah, it has real, to be like real. that. Yeah. For real. And that's, it's not because you're selfish. It's because, and I truly believe this, I don't look at selfish as negative. Mm. Um, I look at selfish as positive. If right. you're being, if you're prioritizing yourself to prioritize other people, that's not a negative right right so if you say i gotta this this isn't a uh credit card scam you know yeah. i mean you're you're yeah. doing something yeah really like powerful. i literally am doing this every single day like i post instagram stories i try to now more like of like instagrams of me like making the things like we're making these molds so we can make more because 3d printing these parts was like too they're too big like it takes yeah. too long so we're like we're we're like, okay, that's a challenge, but we're overcome it. We'll figure out how to make these things. We want to do injection molding, which is going to cost a lot more money. But like, first, we just need to do this beta testing. We need people to try and use the device and, and like let us know, what do you think? Have they used it? Have any amputees used it yet? Or? I've had a few. One has used it a lot, and, and I've gotten really good feedback, um, but I, I need more. I need yeah. like 20 need to quantity, 30 people. For sure. Um before we go spend $300,000 on a machine that can make these things on, on the level that we need to be able to make them at, yep. um, we need to first make 20 or 30 of them and have people try it. Um, so, so that's what we're doing. And I'm, I'm working with a group called next fab in Philadelphia and they're helping me 
Um, we won um, some business competitions. I guess I kind of skipped over like starting the business, but um, I kind of just dove into the mission and everything. And I think I covered it, but, um, hey, but like we, I, we I, can I, bookmark things too. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked with um, the IEI at Temple. Um, so my my senior year, I um, like we had finished the senior design project. We won first place in the senior design project, like with that design, and then. Um, I kind of knew, like, I'm not letting this die as a school project, you know? Like, this is way bigger than a school project. So, um, filed for a, a provisional patent last year and and then did, um, like, my next, like, all of my senior partners had graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they were done after senior design, but I still had a couple more credits, like two more credits. So, I I went to the business school and they have this innovation center and I, I worked with the, um, it's called like Entrepreneurship, uh, Innovations Entrepreneurship Institute. And um, and the, this team at the IEI, the, called the IEI Temple, they really helped me like turn this from just like a engineering project into like an actual business. And it was lucky I had actually done this kind of the right way by doing those interviews first and like not just like designing some object, you know, like I actually had done some of that customer evaluation but they helped me make a business plan and like a um and i won some competitions um at temple we won twenty one thousand dollars in competitions um and my my senior design partner moya got back in the business with me and we're doing this together um um and uh and just like figuring it out together and so so we're just going forward and uh um we're in another competition right now that's like for um with delaware valley university um and like it's like a Bucks County competition, which is where I'm from. And so we're just going to keep, keep doing these like grant competitions, like enough money to like support the, what I'm doing kind of right now, like marketing a little bit, but mostly like um, actual product development, like 3d printing costs money and stuff like that. And like making these boxes, these urethane cast molds. So I'm just trying to fund our activities otherwise we do need to go get some angel investor that really believes in it um to kind of supply that supply that funding but but for now we've been able to bootstrap it with these pitch competitions and um we're we're really going to go for this kickstarter and and hope people kind of donate and like provide a, a limb for someone and um it, it'll be it'll be really um kind of eye-opening I, either way even if the kickstarter isn't super successful at least we'll know um, like we'll learn lessons from that and go forward with it. So I'm not like putting all my eggs in one basket. Like I know I have some money potentially from another grant thing and, and we have other, gr- there's a lot of grants for like this kind of work. So we're hoping to be successful when we apply for those and, and that they see the vision that we do. And um, yeah, just, just going to keep working, man. And, and like yeah. trying, like it, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing what, what, can happen in one year, you know, like I'm just thinking from last year to this year, how much has changed. Like this business was started in February. We're in October. And like, I feel like I've learned so much in the past year, just trying to start this that um, like compared to like going and getting a job at an engineering firm and like designing something like what was I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure I learned something there too. Like I learned how to do that job, but I'm learning a lot as like a, like how to start something myself and, and I feel great about it. And even if um, it didn't work out like worst case scenario, like at least I learned this and I can apply that towards my next thing. But 
Um, I, I'm just feeling so good about it. And like everything that I have a lot of momentum with it. So there's no way I'm going to stop um, until like my back's against the wall. But um, but I'm I'm just full steam ahead. And, and uh, I'm really glad to have a really supportive team. Amoya's amazing. And um, we've got a like a film team that's been just making some videos for us too for the Kickstarter and um, Laminar Media. Shout out, plug for them. Um, plug for the Temple IEI Temple Engineering Program. Um, they started us on this. They gave us the thousand dollars to start this, and um, plug everybody that's helped me along the way. Holy Ghost! I, I don't know the whole the whole slew. Really, plug, plug, plug. I I think um, I've been really fortunate. Master Ho. Um, Qigong Research Society, everyone that comments on my Instagram page, it's at James Calcagni now. I, I decided I had to change. I did say I would say this or later. I don't want to lie in the video. Um, I had to change my name back to James Calcagni from Qigong Dude because it didn't really make sense for people to see Qigong Dude posting about like prosthetics and stuff. And it was really hard for me, like after like years of like a year and a half building up that account, you know, like to, to stop and say like, I'm not going to be Qigong dude anymore. Like that just ripped me to shreds. But like, I, I had tried to start like a prosthetics dude account and Qigong dude. And it was just too weird to do like different things. I was like, let's just be authentic. I'm going to be James Calcagni. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to tell the story of what I'm doing every day. And that story might change. But, um, if you're, if you want to be like here for the ride, then let's do it. And definitely I lost some followers and, um, people, but like, I, that, that's not what my focus is. My focus is more now, like, let's be authentic to who I am. And right now that's liquid limbs and that's being CEO, which is kind of like a crazy word actually, like to say I'm CEO, but, um, I'm kind of just, I have to embrace it in order to, um, in order for it to work. And, and, uh, I've just stepped into that role and I'm, um, living it every day and learning. Um, it's, it's a never, never stop learning um, process like this this is this is just every day I, I learn something new and I I realize oh I yeah maybe I was late to that meeting I should have scheduled things better maybe I screwed up that email like or like even like bigger things but like maybe I spent five hundred dollars on something I shouldn't have or what you know what it is like um, but like I'm like you just throw things at the wall sometimes and like something sticks. And then you're like, okay, yeah, maybe buying that 3D printer was a good idea. You know, like we made this prototype and it led to this and this and this. And like, if we hadn't done that, then what would have happened? You know, like, um, so like, um, I think just trying and trying and trying has been working. And it, I just am being strategic about it now more. Um, and it's it's good. It's it's going well. And and uh, just just need that kind of that thing to push it over the edge and uh, make this the, you know, the unicorn like uber and all the other Dude, ones I'm, right? but i'm confident um, man but i'm confident i'm confident too and yeah. and and we're going to be successful um and, and we're just figuring it out like all all startups start like this it's early true. it's scrappy it's it's uh building things in my basement yeah <laughs> you know, man, like, i started in my uh apartment at college man so I know yeah, i'm literally in my parents basement like that's the main i'm in my parents garage, home of, so, our, yeah. of our operations yeah, like, same <laughs> i feel you I, I, i'm on the second floor you're underneath bro that's how yeah no like fact like during the pandemic i just moved into the basement and like i haven't left because like um, i don't like and like i'm not making a salary from this you know like i'm scrap scrap like i i started like fiverr gigs mm -hmm. um i i do engineering work for people um like design work and like it takes me not so long but i like i'm able to charge enough 
Like the yeah, I was gonna ask you how you support your. That's been kind of. I make a little bit of money from Qigong like classes and and stuff. And I'm the same way, dude. I mean, I've been a wedding DJ for four years. It is like it is like okay. I'm not gonna like be able to like I couldn't pay rent right now. Like I don't make that much money. Like, um, but I'm like okay. I I can take this Fiverr gig and make two thousand dollars here or there and like like that'll pay for gas. Like I have to pay gas, you know, to get to Philadelphia and back. Like it's, yeah. it's not like, um, living is free. Dude, it, it's not, it's, um, but it, I've been lucky mm-hmm. to have like that education actually has been really powerful on Fiverr, but, um, I, I, we could go on a whole tangent for sure. Dude, there's about 10 things that I want to bookmark. Um, there's a lot of different avenues that we didn't even cover today. Yo, we covered yo, most of them. I'm around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no dude. Yeah. I'd love to have you back on. Six months, year, whatever. That's okay. typically what we do about once a year. Okay, okay, um, okay. You know, sometimes shorter, dependent. Um, yeah, I'll be Especially back. if something happens, let me know, or something big happens, you want to announce it, or something okay, like that. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, this is big. I mean, like, I think the timing, well, you didn't even know I was doing the Kickstarter. Like, I, was I barely just, knew anything. I just thought it was a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you I didn't even out. know it was waterproof. Yeah, that's, that's how much that's I didn't look into thing. this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think it is really cool. And, and um, I love it, man. Like, just in terms of, like, it's different, you know, sometimes it's not about being the best thing. It's just like, it's different enough. Like nobody else is doing this, you yeah, know, no, 100%. Um, there's literally nobody else is making this thing. And I'm like, why not? You know, <laughs> like, well, you're the guy, dude. Uh, yeah, you're I'm the, the man guy. to do I'm it. the guy. So, and so, um, make sure you, you know, um, you know, I will have, like I said, we'll have all the links, uh, in the right. description right. and make sure you plug anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to plug before you we get out of here. You can follow me on, um, it's pretty much James Cal- at James Calcagni on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm I'm starting to get on Twitter. Like I'm trying to do all the social medias now, but um, some of them less active than others. But definitely Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm I'm always on there, and I'm starting the YouTube. If you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, that's my my plug for the day. If you're gonna go anywhere after this, go subscribe to my YouTube channel. No, more um, videos coming. Or, or Liquid Limbs. It's at Liquid Limbs Family, um, and we are posting more content like with amputees who are using the devices, and we tell something different every single day. Now we're posting every single day, so um, all that social media and uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm a you can always reach out to me if you have anything um, you think can contribute or maybe comment on this podcast and, and let us know like um, what your thoughts were on my story. I'd, I'd love to hear them. And uh, just, even if it's if it's just a general comment or something specific that um, spoke out to you, this is my first podcast. So I'd love to know um, like what you thought um, really spoke out so I can, um, Speak more about that in the hey, future. Hey, what he said. You're making my job easy, man. Comment. Uh, yeah, yeah, drop a com- Come on. You watch the whole video and you're not going <laughs> to leave a comment? Like, come on, man. At least drop a little something for the homie, dude. And subscribe if you're not subscribed. Hey, right. you got to. Dude, thank you so much for doing this today, man. Thank you, man. Anytime. Thank you so Anytime, much. Anytime, really, man. I had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have yeah, to do you it got again. all the plugs, man. We got everything in the show notes and description. Uh, James, thank you so much for doing this again, man. And uh, we're definitely going to have you back on. A lot more to come. This is just the beginning of this. So, um, hey, man, I say it every time. I'll say it again. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Bobcast. Make sure you check this video version on YouTube as well. And as you know, we're on all platforms, even the ones nobody uses. All right. We'll catch you on the next Bobcast out. Yeah, please.
Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening today. The only thing I ask is if you could please share this show. We're gaining a lot of traction online now in terms of what the uh, Instagram clips are doing. So we want to just keep the momentum going and get better and better guests so we can improve the quality, improve the conversations, and all that happens with you. Uh, None of this would be possible uh, without the people who support this show. So please share the episode, uh, whether that's on your social media or with a friend. Really appreciate it. So make sure to tune in next Monday as well and catch the video version on YouTube. All right. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.